Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is George Armistead, and I am here with my co-host, Alvaro Jaramillo. Alvaro, what's going on? How are you doing, George? How is everybody out there in, what, what is this? You can't say radio land, because we're not radio. It's just like <laughs> podcast land. That's podosphere. Podosphere. And uh, pot, yeah. Well, how is everybody? Yeah. I can hear I can hear them already like saying, Oh yeah, awesome. Some of them going, Great, great. Others are going, Yeah. It all depends uh, on a lot of things, right? What your weather is like, the time of day it's like, what you're doing. Are you commuting to work? Are you leaving work? Are you going birding, right? You're if out- you have seasonal if you have seasonal affectation disorder or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. You haven't seen the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or, or if you're one of them, they're sports fans and uh, you know, this last week, maybe things went your way or they didn't. But how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Yeah. I uh, been doing quite a bit of birding the last few days. Which uh, I suppose is not a big shock, but uh, we we had a Hillstar Pelagic go out on Saturday at Ocean City, Wait, Maryland. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Clapping. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it that is not the sound of one hand clapping. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, happened. It finally happened. I mean, yeah, we got weathered out what several times in a row before we finally got out, and. Um, we actually have a trip this weekend that's a little touch and go as far as the weather goes, but that's the way it is. You know, this that's the way it is this time of year around here. We know it's kind of kind of a fifty fifty shot any any day in winter whether you actually make it out or not. But we did and uh, went out of Ocean City, Maryland. It it was pretty rough to start, frankly. Uh, it was rougher than than we had hoped it would be, but. Uh, eventually it calmed down a bit, some, some fine work by our captain Monty. And, uh, we got into, we got into a good, good patch of water and had ourselves a big whack of razor bills and some really nice views at common and thick build mers and, uh, half a dozen or so puffins and Manx shearwater, sooty shearwater. You know, these are tough birds to find in the mid Atlantic uh, generally speaking. So it was really nice. Did you see any Brunix Guillemots? Yes, we did. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we I did not. A lot not. of people don't know that in North America, that the yeah. MERS have different names in Europe. Yeah. And we did not have any Slavonian grebes or whole bowls grebes either. Oh. You know, you know, yeah. if you're really going back. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going back. There were some great Northern divers though, you know, Great Northern Divers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, I think that's interesting that the you've the common myrrh is called Guillemot in 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 the UK. Thick built myrrh is called Brunix Guillemot, and then then it makes sense why like the black Guillemot is the black Guillemot because it's like it's kind of like the Guillemot, but it's black, right? Yeah. But for us, it's like, it's just sort of the, we could have just called it Guillemot, you know, so <laughs> because we don't have the other, the non-black Guillemot. Right? <laughs> Dude, I need two seconds. My dog is crying outside the door and I can tell oh. he, he is begging to get in. I got to let him in. Oh. Hold on. 
Come on, buddy. Come on, pal. There you go. There you go. Don't knock anything over. Just hang out. Just hang out. There you go. Sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, he was going to just sit there and cry. So, well, cut, yeah. cut, cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or don't. Anyway, very cute golden retriever. But um, yeah, and I'm trying to remember what what was the name again that you were saying Tis- for the Tisti. Yes, yeah. I couldn't remember yeah. it. I was going to say Testis, and then I was like, "That's not." No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different thing altogether. That's a different thing. Yeah. We. We did this weekend on our pelagic here on the West Coast see some taroks. Oh yeah, right? yeah, the, very uh, nice. Well the done. young um, gil up uh, black black kittywake. So yeah, we actually had the best kittywake day ever um, in our history. So wow, so that was good. How many? Um, how many did you see? I think probably it adds up to about a hundred birds, which is um, usually we see like four on a winter pelagic and that's good you know wow so so it's uh it was it was good and lots of rhinoceros auklets and common murs a few short-tailed shearwaters and both two kinds of albatross so that was good um oh, man. Tom johnson picked out a, a distant laysan so it was that was quite distant but the black footed were close that's yeah, awesome. Full Mar City. So it was it was good. It was nice. And wow. the weather here was calm. Like not unexpectedly calm. Like never seen it like this kind of calm huh. in winter. So we had the opposite experience. Nice. So yeah. East Coast, West Coast. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's how we do it. Yeah. That's right. You know, we we have our our friendly rivalries of uh, pelagic. Uh, That's right. Whatever um, stuff. You know, I I got to say, com- like a little shift, but related to the pelagics, these eBird triplists, what a great way to summarize a day, like, oh, like yeah. a pelagic trip. Oh, man. Or I'm, even a I'm tour. I'm so glad. You know? A tour, yeah. 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 I'm so glad they did this. They were, they were saying they were going to do this for a while. A long so. time. Yeah, long so, time coming. Yeah. Thank you, eBird people, oh, for uh, creating that. It's and so huge. Try it, folks. If you're yeah. like, do a day out and you can put together these trip lists, and, and even if you have multiple observers, like on a boat, you can have them all come in on your trip list, and then their photographs also appear in the sort of communal trip list. And then, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's great. There probably are some. Eventually, we'll find some suggestions as to what could make it better. But I, I think it's a it's fantastic new addition because this has only been around for a couple of months. I think. Yeah. At this point. No, it's it's pretty good as it is. But you're right. I'm, I'm sure they'll figure out ways to tweak it and make it even better. But yeah, we the first one I ever got actually was from this Uganda trip that we did, and we put you know the group put one together afterwards and it's just such a great way to share all those lists into like easy access easy easy way to see all the imagery everybody's got and then you can share them publicly with uh, just about anybody who wants to see what what you had so uh a really cool function that they've got there it's been it's been huge uh, yeah for these group yeah. birding trips i do wish you know because all the photographs on ebird are associated with a bird species right um 
that we could also include people photographs or whales you saw on the trip yeah. or something like that in the not obviously not in the eBird list, but in in the summary, like the notes or something in the, in the comment, yeah, the summary, yeah, they used to be so able to do that. Used to be, yeah, and we you probably could do it with HTML kind of thing if you code it yourself. But I'm saying, you know, for regular people, that's <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm regular people, so yeah, yeah. you're regular people. Uh, I I think that would be great because it the focus is obviously on on the birds, but you know, we always talk about the importance of of the social aspect and the other things that go on while you're birding and that would be great to be able to post um you know dolphin you saw on a pelagic or or the people who were on your uganda trip or whatever yeah you know? well you saw that the the drone video that they took from this pelagic um yeah so i you know I, I don't know. I'll just folks. Some would have seen it. Some wouldn't have. It w- there was a, a media company uh, that just happened to be flying a drone at the inlet as our boat returned last Saturday, and they saw this boat, our boat, coming back into port. And there's dozens of gulls just you know flying around as you know we were throwing some stuff overboard for them, and uh, and they were like, "Wow, look at that boat. That's pretty intense." And they so they filmed it and not knowing that it was our trip and some friends met, you know, saw this drone video they put together later, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's our boat, you know? And people were like, that's so cool. There we are, you know, and you get this, you know, bird's eye view of us looking at birds. It's kind of very meta experience. Right. Um, I, I was, I was almost like picturing you could put like a Bon Jovi kind of background, you know, kind of coming into sort of a Jersey <laughs> blaze of glory. Board. You yeah. know, something like that. It, <laughs> you know, it seemed kind of like that. You know, yeah, because there was there was some definitely glory going on. Yeah, there. well, I think people thought that I arranged that, and uh, yeah. and I was like, look, I don't have, you know, I'm I'm not that together. I, you know, I <laughs> I, I I wish I'd, you, you I I thought you should have pretended, right? You should have yeah. pretended. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I got my people out there doing stuff. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, it was just it was just fortuitous dumb luck, and uh, but it was pretty cool. But it would be wonderful to have something like that, you know, space yeah. for that in a, in in you know in a trip list somehow. Right, uh, might be a lot yeah. to ask, especially for video, but still. Right, and especially the the Bon Jovi music in the background. Yeah, which no, I feel like there's never. I'm not a bad sure time the Macaulay bon Library has got Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Thinking about like music rights and so forth, one of the funniest things that ever I sort of once I realized what was going on is it's in Santiago Airport in Chile. There's all these tunes being played, you know, on the at the airport, and they're all well known tunes, but they're all done not by the original artists. They like, like the they like the elevator music style, or no, no, no. They're they're actually trying to sound like the real songs, but they're like covers but they're copies they're actually copies i wouldn't even call them covers you know where the artist has changed the thing it's just a copy so that they don't have to put pay the full you know whatever it is you know for the five cents a song or whatever it is to uh to be able wow. to play that which i thought was they got like a bobo what, version of, of these yeah of the, yeah wow. that's an extreme way to keep costs down but you know <laughs> 
I mean, the I, studio not, cost alone, you would think, would you I know, know? I know, and I'm not sure any one of these fake ones was better than the original. Uh, let me tell you. Yeah, probably not. Is my guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, speaking of music, Al, I got to ask. Oh. You know the we we had the Super Bowl happened uh, this past week. That's what I was told. Yes, yes. I, I I I gather you did not watch. No, no. I'm I'm I am not a football. To me, football's played with the feet. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm more keen on finding out. You know, like uh, if uh, Canada, you know, wins the uh, the Olympic. Um, what is it? Semi right now that's going on. Um, Oh, you're talking uh, about the Olympics? Hockey. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hockey. I didn't realize that was that was happening this year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's, yeah, I know. Nobody's, everybody's worried about the Russian. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Skater who, you know. No. Oh, I, I say think. let them all just dope up and get to their max it, potential. It sure. Just do it. Yeah. You know? like, let's see who can be the best dope, dopers, you know, as, as far as the you athletes. Know, you know what this reminds me of, this doping stuff? It's the ship assistants. <laughs> Yeah, it's, like, it's a direct parallel. It's yeah. a direct parallel, sort of like, yeah. just let the ship birds come in, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, we can count them. And yeah. at least uh, then we don't have to worry about figuring out if it was ship-assisted, not ship. And some people don't care anyways. Like, I think most lists actually don't care if it's ship-assisted unless it's, you know, in a cage. But right. that's that's what I'm saying. You know, it's like just let them all dope, whatever. No, I agree. I think it's ridiculous <laughs> at this point. I mean, if if you look at like you know the maps, like you look at those those maps where they show all the ships that are out right now. Basically, that's like the ocean is a series of islands anyway, with right. all these ships everywhere. It's like why would you bother? Or like you say, unless it was restrained somehow, it seems ridiculous to care too much about whether something yeah. rode on a ship at some point or not. Um, yeah, but this superb owl. Uh, or Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super Bowl is actually kind of an interesting little side thing, too. I, I didn't partake in it this year. You know how people post pictures of owls for the yes. Super Bowl? Um, but I, I did wonder if – was that something somebody just cooked up or was it uh, organic? You know, people started kind of incorrectly typing the – the word Super Bowl and then Superb Owl kind of derived from that, like in an organic way, or did somebody invent this? I, my, I don't know. My recollection is that this was a Ken Kaufman um, uh, thing that he kind of started was like, I think, I think several people kind of independently noticed that those words, you know, if you squish them together, um, just, just, just wrong. Uh, you know, it ends up being superb owl, and but I think he kind of he he kind of elevated it on social media. I think, and that's like I'd kind of I think I'd noticed it myself before the words, but my my recollection was that it kind of took off with him. But I could be huh. remembering incorrectly. But I thought he I thought he elevated yeah. it. Yeah, he's a he's an elevator. Yes, yes, he certainly is. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, that's cool. Um, in any case, I didn't. I thought that was fun, but we still we still haven't talked about what we were going to talk about with the Super Bowl. This like, is true. I'm just, yeah, I'm I was like, because did you even watch the halftime show? Because the halftime show was, I thought, pretty tight. 
I I did actually I I I watched it later. You know, I I I saw it on YouTube or what have you. But what I what I did notice is that it is, I I you know from people's comments, it's like either people loved it, you know, an amazing old school hip hop, boom, you know, hit it out of the park, or they were like, this is so lame, you know, or or just sort of hated it. And it wasn't more like it wasn't like the average sort of like well you know it was all right it was it's it's sort of like love or hate, and yeah. I think it it gets to our condition in the country what's going right. on there. But I don't know I don't maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into it. But yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was great, but some of those some of those tunes are things I you know I used to listen to back in the day. So oh my gosh, you know, yeah, like. You more so yeah. than I. Oh God, yeah. I loved yeah. I loved Snoop and Dre mm. and 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 to a lesser extent Eminem. I I liked him uh, as well. Loved Mary J. Blige. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I was in the camp that very much. Um, I, I I do think that um, generally rap is better in a studio. But there have been one, probably the one of the best live shows, I, rap shows I ever saw, was I saw Snoop um, with the Roots, hmm. and that was pretty amazing. Um, they did the the Roots picnic here in Philadelphia, and Snoop was was with them, and that was that was crazy. But it's tough, you know, like often in rap, you're supposed to sound pretty chill, pretty mellow. Like sometimes you get up, whatever, but I think it's hard to recreate in a a live uh, setting what you can in the studio. I still think those guys did did pretty great. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, people want to hate on it. You know, they're going to hate on it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Other things that are love or hate are those commercials, right? Yes. Yeah. And this time we have a commercial that pertains to our purview of birding which yeah how about that yeah yeah that 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 well you tell me what you think of that um yeah so this yeah, was I don't, the f- I don't even know this- what it is if it's like cheetos or something <laughs> close <laughs> it didn't work not bad yeah we got to work on your junk food identification skills Alvaro. but yeah um you know you got the gulls down but junk food identification really yeah. needs a little work yeah yeah this is something I take great pride in uh, myself. So I can yeah, tell you with some authority that this was a commercial for uh, Flaming Hot Doritos. Uh-huh. And it, it starts out with a woman looking at a pitta. Uh, now, I'm not exactly sure what kind of pitta it was, but I was like, that's a pitta. Look at that. And um, and the next thing you know, she's I think she's like so surprised by the pitta. She like falls out of the tree. There's, you know, there's yeah, the chips fall. The chips fall down. Yeah, that's what it was. The chips. She she climbs down. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think she held under her binoculars pretty good. Uh, And And then there's the three because those were like forty by eight hundred binoculars. You see the they were like thirty pound binoculars she was holding. You see that? Those are like those old ten fifty customs. You know those old ten fifty Bushnell customs. There were those big eyes that that they use on the Noah cruises. You know that are huge. Yeah. I was like. I yeah, guess no, they had to make it really clear that she was using binoculars, but that was she that was the first fake part. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the sloth gets into the action, the three-toed sloth, um, which showed itself to be pretty pretty fleet of foot once it gets on the ground. Oh um, man, that once you get those 
red hot, whatever they are, that sloth can move. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, actually, as a little sidebar, I should mention that I I enjoy listening to Stuff You Should Know podcast, and they have Uh a recent episode one on leeches that I just listened to, but they have another one on sloths, which I think they just kind of re-released, which was pretty awesome, which they talk about huh. things like how sloths only come down from trees like once a week to poop. You know, these are things yeah. you can learn on stuff you should know. So uh, well worth a listen there. That makes there. no sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. You would do it more often, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what, it makes no sense in that you would think something like that would be for a reason and it probably is but we i don't I think, think anybody's come up with a really good reason of i why think it's their, do that i think they digest like super slow i think they've got like really slow digestion no but why don't why don't they just stick their butt out and oh, you mean like why do they rip? come down to the ground yeah yeah that is a better question yeah 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 that's the question i was thinking about the week mm-hmm. the week you know the timing mm-hmm. you know yeah, because to different. me, it'd be you know, once a week, be pretty nice, actually. You know, it's like it really save you some time. You know, <laughs> too much information. Too yeah. oh, much sorry. information. Yeah. yeah. My mistake. <laughs> well, at any rate, so the, the other, yeah, yeah, the other thing that appears in this commercial is sort of the the keynote is a vermilion flycatcher pops yes. out of like it reminded me it pops out of the mouth of a crocodilian i'm not sure what the crocodilian's supposed to be yeah. but it pops out now so it's probably an alligator american alligator caiman. maybe or, yeah yeah, yeah caiman new world alligator. new world crocodilian <laughs> and uh and it, and it starts singing uh, rather robustly um and uh, and it got me thinking actually about the crocodile bird you know the egyptian plover which is one i still not seen one of those monotypic no, bird families that. that i am dying to see that thing um but this and, is not one of those but instead of vermilion flycatcher pretty cool. the, the vermilion flycatchers that actually hang out with rep, reptiles are the ones in in the galapagos that actually that's right will often perch on the on the tortoises and mm-hmm. those are now the brujo flycatcher the the witch bird is a local name so um and i actually had a role in getting those things separated that was a project that was my i actually kind of came up with it and then people in the know were able to do the work uh to uh to get that thing separated and uh, and but from a name perspective um what was really important to me it was to fight for vermilion flycatcher to keep that name and one of the ways see if you separated this thing and sort of called the other one northern vermilion flycatcher or southern or galapagos right it starts getting really complicated so the fact that there was a name brujo pajaro brujo and you could call it brujo flycatcher boom totally different awesome name vermilion keeps its name and if we ever separate the migratory southern vermilion, we can call that ruby flycatcher because it's it's um, it's rubinous. It's actually mm-hmm. the uh, scientific name. But are they still um, pyrocephalus? Is that still the genus? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I always loved. It's like it's like red firehead. You know, right? Sort of yeah, like firehead. Yeah, pyrocephalus <sighs> rubinous. Yeah, and yeah. you know, if well, you think the firehead's the perfect, you know, hot junk food chip. Kind of for the flaming hot, for the flaming hot Doritos. Damn, that's a good. Somebody was thinking, 
Somebody yeah. was thinking. Man, He's know, using the old so noggin they, right there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I, it's, so here's the thing, like, um, some, uh, comments have been around out there about this ad in the birding scape, you know, internet scape and people say, oh, this is great. You know, there's a birder and there's birds and there's creatures. And, but to me, I like that, but it's such a goofy commercial that makes no sense whatsoever. There's some nice old school music going on, you know, and all that, but it, I'm thinking like, does anybody actually buy more chips because of this? Like millions of dollars went into creating this and putting it out there for people. And we're talking about it. I don't even remember which kind of chip it is. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering like, how does this all work? Like I'm, I'm thinking that the ad people have just convinced the people who buy ads that this works, but n- nobody really uh, has has really done the work to see if this is worth their money. I bet it isn't. <laughs> is my yeah. thought. So I'm not dissing the commercial. I'm just kind of dissing the whole system here, right. of like trying well, to sell you something. I mean, speaking from personal experience, it's not really possible for me to buy more potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's a real weakness, um, right? And I, I like Doritos, okay. Although the flaming hot ones aren't, aren't really my yeah. my go to. I like the original or the Cool Ranch. You know, I, you know, I, I keep things pretty simple. Me and my nephew have a lot of arguments about this. Uh, he, he's more flaming hot Dorito guy, but uh, you know, I do think you know. I'm, I, I guess my my guess is that they're thinking you know water cooler yeah. talk. Although no one, people, we don't really have those anymore, and and. Uh, you know, branding, maybe. I don't know. I guess, yeah. But you ever notice that like some really good IPA beers, like the superb stuff that you have, there's no ads for them? They don't need to have ads. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Yeah, they don't need it. It's Best advertising you can get. Yeah. Crappy beer is the stuff that's on TV. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going to get letters. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, one thing I, I bet – a lot of folks don't know Al is the Brujo flycatcher you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are multiple subspecies of this. Um, at least historically, there have been. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I assume that those are still intact. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of ish. Yeah, yeah. But that's a bird in real gone. trouble. Yeah, I was gonna say like the the San Cristobal one is is gone. Yeah. right. It's, and it's. It's probably gone. I, yeah, there was like a Nanus. report of one. Yeah. It is. Yeah, Isn't it Nanus? Which one that it's is. small. Could be. Like, yeah. It was like Pusilla or Nanus or something like that. It was. It was yeah. Yeah. And then the, the ones on Isabella. Yeah. And the ones Santa on, Cruz Island. Yeah. yeah. They're going. They're not doing Disappearing. Well. Yeah. Disappearing. And, and it's not habitat. It's probably bot flies sort of that kind of thing going on you know which which is really troubling for island island species you know we've talked about those hawaiian birds with the issues of mosquitoes malaria but bot flies introduced um situation that you know parasites that ectoparasites that hit the uh, youngsters that's a problem. The the uh, introduced anis were sometimes blamed too for nest destruction and eating the. But that may be that may be more of a sort of old wives' tale kind of thing. Probably not. Probably not helpful. But um, maybe not. But, the, yeah, not not a big cause necessarily. 
not a big cause, but um, these bot flies are also what's driving the uh, mangrove finch in the Galapagos to potential extinction. So there's active work being done on on how to mitigate. And one of the cool things that, gosh, I if I can remember her name, it's a, a biologist. She she came up with this ingenious idea of the birds take like cottony substance to make nests. So what if you just laid out cottony substance that had a a insecticide in it? And mm. they made their nests with an you know sort of little infused with insecticide. And the birds actually would they took it and they the decreased the uh, incidence of bot flies from what I recall. Because the problem, right, is that the bot flies b- bite the nestlings, right? Don't they? They basically it's it's mosquito transmitted. Is that right? Or or uh... um, I forget how it. But the but the little the fly you know egg is laid under the skin and then it grows into kind of a a larva under the skin and you can have so many of them that the the bird just can't survive essentially right right yeah so that's I that's seem to remember happens. seeing pictures of nestlings that have been infected um, yeah it's not a they, pretty sight no yeah, no yeah. too much information yeah. again people are yes yeah, exactly yeah. Some people are eating dinner. You know, yeah, really. I mean, if you're eating dinner, listening to us, I don't know. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. <laughs> shouldn't yeah, do that. Serves you right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, uh, but oh, gosh, you know, maybe we'll find I'll find our name and and then we can put it on the notes. But I thought it was one of the most ingenious ways of of maybe of, protecting uh, them, yeah. protecting these birds that have a very restricted range, and. uh and just like somebody was thinking outside the box and, and just said, Hey, how about we do this? And it's like, Oh, it works. You know? Um, I thought that was great. And I think a little dip, little different with the, uh, Brujo flycatcher. Cause they're, they're more widespread through the environment. Um, the, the mangrove finches are really, you know, it's, you know, tiny concentrated to these yeah. Yeah, tiny ranges of mangroves on Isabella Island and sometimes on, uh, on Fernandina. the other one, Fernandina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just yeah. it's always like is it Floriana or Fernandina? Jeez, yeah, I get it. I haven't heard about anybody. Yeah, I don't know if they're still on Fernandina or not. I'm I don't like, think yeah. so. Yeah, they might. Yeah, not sure. Yeah, Galapagos, well, wonderful place. Oh, uh, really, really amazing. Yeah, and I especially like that part. Actually, the uh, the western part, the Bolivar Channel area, um, where the mangrove finches. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is cool, and I love I love that name, the Brujo flycatcher. I just think Brujo that's such a great name. You and you and Dan Lane do pretty good with the bird names, you know. Like bird names. it's not like like you said, it's like northern, you know, whatever, you know. Like I understand that can be helpful and accurate, but right, you know, it's just right. not that exciting. Like you know, add a little color that's still that's still informative, you know. Yeah, that I mean, I don't know if I won't name names. But in Facebook today, there was this discussion about this American robin that's in England. Oh, yes. I saw this. Yeah. And you saw that? And I, think I saw the discussion. Yeah. And, and Dan Lane came in there and uh, and were rather concerned because mm-hmm. I, I think it was just a You guys a provided that an al- alternative viewpoint, shall we say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was a, about this American robin, kind of a cool vagrant out there in, in, in the UK, but but just there was a point made that sort of not really a robin 
you know, call it American thrush. Right. And to me was like, why? Like it's obviously, right? It's a thrush. You know, good. That's we know that that's the correct situation. And you if we wanted to be correct about everything, we would just make all of our names so lame sometimes, right? And yeah. this is what's happened, you know, the northern this and the southern that. Right. Rather so the, here they were saying unique. it should be American thrush rather American than American thrush. robin, which is a, you know, a name that certainly is not as interesting in my view. And I think in many, like yours right. and others, is American robin. Yeah. Right. And sure, it's not the European robin. It's not even closely related to it. You know, it's related to the blackbird. Should we call it American blackbird? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Should we call the blackbird blackbird thrush since that it's would actually be, a thrush? Yeah, that would be more That's accurate, overall. Right. Mm. I know. That would be more accurate. <laughs> so, but you, you chase this accuracy and, and then you forget that the beauty of it and the fun part is that it isn't a robin. And there's the story. There's where you begin kind of a, a fun story. Peeling back the layers. Yeah. Right. Same same way that I I I will defend ringneck duck not because it's a good name <clears throat> should be the ring bill duck right if you look at a, the duck it's got this big old white ring on the bill and the ring on the neck you never see but it it gets gets us into this conversation about names and stuff and can you actually see the ring have you ever seen the ring or did you know that the ring actually exists and it 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 makes it more fun right. Yeah. If you just sort of made everything so obvious um, that you lose all the uh, the panache, the texture, the, yeah, the texture, yeah. Right? And I I suggested too, like you know, Great Skua. Uh, why not use the name that the, the locals use, Bonksy? Oh, it's I would a way love better name. Is way better way name. Better. So much more distinctive. Yeah, yeah, Bonksy. People just go Bonksy. Yeah, Killdeer. We could say it's the Killdeer Plover. Wouldn't that be lame? No, it's yeah. the Killdeer. Yeah. So we I could mean, call it American Dotterel. That would probably inf infuriate them. You know? Yeah, American Dotterel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I think uh, we have to unlame our names. Yeah, That's <laughs> I do think it bothers the Europeans more that that these you know, and, but I, oh, it seems like it's the Brits in particular it bothers them that you know the American robin isn't isn't the American thrush or, and I'm always like, but you realize it was Brits that came here and named them those. Like it's this is not the Americans' fault, yeah, really. Yeah, you know, you yeah. Could, it was yeah, it was like a pilgrim, you know, who's still had yeah. accents from the South Country. Of yeah, they should have been better at taxonomy so. back in the you know 1600s, right. whatever. You know, yeah, get it right the first time. That's right. <laughs> And, you know, we should be mad because, you know, people brought starlings over, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm cool with starlings, house bears, whatever. They're here, you know. You know it's, hey, uh, hey, you know, t today I saw the largest flock of European starlings that I've ever seen before. Wow. It's perhaps not. Murmuration? It was no, they were they were feeding. I was I was at the landfill. Um, you know, full full disclosure. We we uh, we managed to go in there, and and you know, I, I don't like to, I don't like Dumpster to diving. tell people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't like to tell people that I spent my morning at a landfill, but um, but oh, yeah, they know. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's widely known, really. Um, but no, there was probably like fifteen to twenty thousand starlings. Wow, there. Um, now, I know they get bigger flocks elsewhere, but that's the most I've ever seen at once. Hey, you know, this reminds me of too, like a lot of, a lot of uh, 
stuff we didn't talk about when we were preparing our, our notes for today. But did you see that thing of the uh, yellow-headed blackbirds in Mexico? Yes. yes. Yeah. That A, I, I don't think anybody sensitive should watch that because I was kind of like, whoa, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, Looks like they, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's a, they, if people haven't intense. seen it, these, yeah, this big flock of yellow-headed blackbirds in Mexico got thrown down. It looks like, you know, this flock just, it looks like they were shot out of a big cannon or something into the ground and a bunch of them get up and fly away, but a whole, you know, dozens of them are just lying dead on the ground. Um, and the yeah. question is what happened, right? Cause right. you don't see why these birds hit the ground. And, um, and of yeah, course it's like a neighborhood always... nest cam or something right. that somebody had up on the you know, right. street cam or something. And, and it turns out that, you know, some people think it's like, you know, the end of days or, you know, and other people say it's a falcon. I was wondering if it couldn't have been like a group of them going through a real downdraft, um, like a microburst. Like like a wind um, shear kind of thing or – Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that that occurred to me the, too. Uh, Lightning and wind yeah. shear were a couple things that occurred to me. The other um, – Peregrine? Was um, – yeah, I mean that's what everybody's saying. What people yeah. – Knowledgeable people seem to be indicating that a a raptor, a predator um, bird, surprised them, drove them down. I thought maybe fireworks or something, or like a backfire out of a truck, and these things rolling a tr- you know. But they clearly had a lot of momentum uh, when they hit the ground. So, yeah, it's dramatic I've never, video. I've never seen a falcon um, actually work downwards on prey, like push them down they always push them up um if anything you know or or dive right through them but i've never actually seen a situation where the birds sort of spread downward like that they almost always like spread sideways or the falcon pushes them sort of up and like gets gets a single bird on the edge and isolated isolate that yeah. so i'm i might actually be kind of suddenly the more i think about it like in the non-falcon camp like something else like you said honestly i'm i'm kind of with you every like yeah. a bunch of people that know what they're talking about believe it's a predator and i'm not saying that they're wrong but my like my gut instinct looking at that video is i have a hard time making that into the case yeah. um but that doesn't that doesn't mean that i'm invested in being correct about this i i don't know but i think you're right like some kind of like weather mm-hmm. event or something almost mm-hmm. seems like just jet, that seems almost more likely but i sure don't or know. or like king kong or godzilla a very big predator that from above that was trying mm-hmm. to bat them down yeah, yeah i think that's too. that could be you know that could be a leading theory yeah yeah uh, so that could i mean just too bad we don't see the whole picture but no yeah. Well, listen, Al, I had another mystery that I wanted to ask you about. Wow. This, yeah. this is like a mystery show today. You think so? Yeah. It's a mystery <laughs> episode. Yeah. Um, I was in my backyard last night, just kind of hanging out. It's been dark for three hours or so. Um, we had some work being done on the house and I was like trying to stay awake. I was like, oh, I'll go outside and just see if I hear anything. You know, maybe there's geese moving or whatever. I'm sitting outside <clears throat> and I'm out there for probably half hour, 40 minutes. And I actually see sort of a medium size, you know, it's pitch. It, I shouldn't say it's pitch dark. It's actually almost a full moon. Um, so there's, there's a lot of ambient light. Uh, there's not a lot of street light around here. Uh, so it was, it was, you could see more, much more so than normal. It's pretty clear, full moon. 
I, and, I've uh, heard that Andorra is one of the poorer countries in Europe. So, <laughs> no streetlights. No, yeah. no, no, nobody that. will get that joke unless they heard <laughs> two episodes <laughs> back. Anyway, that's his neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but I was I was out there and I saw this sort of medium sized bird fly into one of the trees in my yard, and hmm. and I was like, I sw- I swear, like that looked like an owl, like a, you know, and we have, some, it's pretty open in the area mm-hmm. here. There's like isolated tall trees here and there, but otherwise it's mostly pretty open nearby, not, not even a quarter of a mile away. There's, there's heavy woodlands. Um, but I was like, it honestly, I, I saw it so poorly. I was like, that was either like a screech owl, which is probably most likely, Long-eared owl, which would be awesome, but probably not, but also possible. And then I, my the thing that I actually thought might be the leading candidate at the time was a Cooper's hawk. Hmm. But because I've seen Cooper's hawks go into that same tree and roost for quite some time, but you know, not not at not that I'm out there a whole lot at ten o'clock at night. But have you ever heard about excipiters moving around at night much? Well, let's see. I've it sort of rings a bell that I mean, and I will get them hunting around my place, like really kind of in the the dark wee hours almost. And then you like think if they about, can navigate, that would be a good time to hunt. You know, if they can see enough yeah. and navigate, they could pick up. Maybe some stuff. if there's enough light. Maybe if That's there's what I was enough thinking, it was full moon. light. Yeah, they'll do it. Um, we know falcons do it, right? There's, yes, there's some good footage of uh, peregrine falcons actually flying around doing things at night mm-hmm. and even migrating at night. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past them, especially if you've seen the, in, the local individuals use that tree. We have a young female Coopers that likes taking woodpeckers around here. Wow. And I've twice seen her go into that exact spot and pick apart red bellied woodpecker. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. I, then you know if you gosh they're not they're not a sipiters not even closely related but because of their shape and some of the hunting that they do forest falcons right in in Latin America they're they're really active like they'll call at night and really early in the morning and they're really active in the crepuscular time so you wonder if there's there's a benefit to be chasing around birds when there's low light. If you can see them, they probably have a harder time seeing you coming. Mm-hmm. So, that, yeah. Well, that's yeah. you're echoing the, some of the thoughts I had last night. But I was like, it, my initial thought was that can't be a Cooper's hawk. But that's, and, but that's kind of was my first take. So, I have a question: Have you ever thought of buying a flashlight and then just shine, shining it up there? <laughs> well, here, remember I mentioned we were having some work done on the house. Ah. I, I was sitting there waiting. Um, and, and I was, and it, and it landed close and I was like, if I move, this thing is, is gone. And right, soon, right. like I, I was sitting there waiting to see if it would move again. And as I did, the contractor came out and was like, all right, I'm all done here. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, well, you know, yeah. it's gotta go. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that, that the bird got away, but I'm actually thinking I might head out there after we're done recording tonight with my flashlight 
and see ah, there you go. if I can do a little more digging. Yeah, that'd be interesting. We you come back to us and and tell us what you find. I, I do find that the watching the the occipiters in the backyard, I, I have both Sharpshins and Coopers come around. They're so sneaky and they're so amazingly adept at uh, finding a spot to hang out in and they'll hang out in this you know dense shrub or tree for an hour and i've forgotten that they're there and then they pop out again like get a house finch or something and we got who we, i was actually talking to somebody about this recently that you hardly ever see a sharpshin catch something like you get coopers you see them catch things but i think sharpshins are so sneaky and and also retire to these dense spots to eat that you, you you see them around and they're hunting for things, but you hardly ever see them kind of catch something. And maybe they're smaller, they're in cover, and then they yeah. get their prey in cover. They eat it in cover. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a thing to watch for. Um, I think uh, there's a lot going on that we haven't really thought about with the sippeters. You know how they hunt, and also is starting to make me think that you know. Sharpshins and Coopers, while we think of them as being super similar, they hunt differently, totally yes. differently. Like, there's way more of a, you know, hiding on the uh, Sharpshins. Absolutely. Of, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it's the same where you are out, out west, um, but I'm sure you're no, aware it's not. That, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a well-known thing that Coopers hawks in the last 20 years or so. <clears throat> their population has just skyrocketed and it's in, in downtown urban Philadelphia, it's one of the most regularly encountered birds in this Uber urban landscape. You'll see people walking along, you know, there'll, there'll be a Cooper's hawk destroying a pigeon, making one of those like little feather puddles, you know, where they're just, they're yeah. sitting there, people just walking by and if you if they just keep walking by and don't look at it, the bird will just sit there and all day eating, no problem. If somebody stops like me and looks at it, they'll rock it off. They don't like they yeah. don't like it when you look at them. But yeah. they've made a they've made a good living, you know, figuring out how to live in in urban areas. And meanwhile, sharpshin hawk numbers have just plummeted. Yeah, they they've um, they've increased here too, and and probably are eating a lot of collared doves, Eurasian collared doves, and. Much more, and they're not. I mean, they're sort of more in suburban areas here, I would say, but in way down south, like you know, in the Strait of Magellan and the city of Punta Arenas in Chile, the Chilean hawks, which is you know, some people call it a bicolored hawk, which is an occipiter, occipiter chilensis or occipiter bicolored chilensis, they come out in winter to the city and they hang out and eat pigeons too, just like. Coopers, like in Philly, so it's kind of interesting that this this is happening in multiple places by multiple species. So they're they're learning. Hey, this is a good place to feed on these dumb. Well, I mean, pigeons aren't dumb; they're but they're abundant enough, and they're they're you'll real find tasty. a dumb one eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They taste like chicken. Yeah, biscacha yeah. <laughs> if you prefer biscacha. Yeah. yeah, I know it's interesting how that's all happening, and and here. Um, when I moved out West, one of the things I thought was, uh, eye opening in terms of bird identification on these occipiters, the Cooper's sharpshin 
is that in Ontario, in migration, sharp chins were way more common than Cooper's when I was there. I, I'm sure Cooper's have become more common over time. But out West, they were, it was more like 50-50. And I realized how much I'd relied on just defaulting to sharp chin hawk. I wasn't really <laughs> identifying. I was sort of like, oh, it looks like a Sharpie. And even... Even if you just said that randomly, you were usually right because most of them wear sharpies in the in the fall. But here, being fifty fifth, more fifty fifty, it's like I you realize it actually is a tougher identification than you uh, want to admit. Oh my um, gosh! It's it's and sometimes it's obvious, and sometimes it isn't. And yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I I take pride. I take a little bit of pride in the number of. Cooper's slash sharpshinned hawks that I enter into eBird because I do feel as though a lot of folks just they're afraid to admit that they don't know. And I'm like, I'd say these birds are misidentified frequently. I mean, it's a known, yeah. it's a known thing how similar they are, but the percentage that are identified quote identified is way too high in my yeah. view in eBird. You know, talking about, Interesting uh, projects and research that people have done and thinking outside the box. Um, here in the Golden Gate, you know, where the Gold, Golden Gate Bridge is, there's a really good, uh, at least for the West, you know, it's not the kind of numbers you see in the East, uh, migratory hawk watch at Hawk Hill, the Golden Gate uh, Raptor Observatory. And they count the birds, but they also have like upstream, they have a banding site. And what they do is they've caught these birds and they ra- they radio and they've measured it and they know it's a Cooper's. They radio, okay, we're right, going to release test. a bird. They test and the they test counter, the, right? the, the counters. Yeah. Yeah. And to see how many of them are getting it right or wrong and what the actual probabilities of being right and wrong and how you can improve. I forget the numbers, but they've been able to actually get good, solid ways of getting people uh, to, to get better at this through sort of this controlled situation. Right, because these are people that really know these the species the species pairing and how to separate them and it's so right. it's I think what that's revealed right is how much they even are incorrect at times. Yeah, and and because they'll get the info that you know they'll say, you know, here it comes, you know, they'll watch it kind of coming out of the blind or whatever and they, they'll see it and they they'll call it and then they'll get the radio call wrong. It was a Cooper's, <laughs> you know, stupid, 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 stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but I think that's an incredibly useful type of research. Yeah, that you can only do to if you measure have the right some setup. observer bias yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. I'm. I, it'd be interesting to look up what the numbers are and if how it's gotten if it's gotten better worse the misidentification values yeah but yeah i mean some of these things are tough i mean i i put a lot of laris big goal spa on my lists because i a lot sometimes you know if they're really far away you really aren't identifying them like so why pretend you are right and you know and and if you're they're really close so that you can see that you don't you can't identify them then might as well say i don't know what put them in spa yeah it's okay you can't identify them all nobody can yeah yeah. So, you know, Al, we're coming up on kind of our last segment here. There's one thing I wanted to um, ask you about because I thought it was really cool. From what I understand, you have recently seen 
a good bird. But the funny thing is, is it's not the first time you have seen that individual. Maybe folks, you want to yes. tell folks about that? Yeah, and it it's a gull. <laughs> how about that? So how about that? So I go to the local gull flock and there's a whole bunch of messy gulls, like just crazy hybrids and this and this whole thing. And of course, you know, there's your adult gulls, which are clean. And there's these first year brown things, which are all over the place. But I saw a bird, was it two days ago, that I looked at it and I'm like, well, I'll be darned. That looks like a slaty back gull, which is a really great bird, you know, anywhere in the continent still, you know, I mean, some places more than others, but it's a good, solid, nice find. But um, I, I like, that's the same bird that was here in December. And, and I just, it came to me like, I don't know why I, this, I, I, I've seen this guy. I know this guy. And, uh, so I, I took photographs. I just looked at my photographs today from the other bird in December and it's it's changed quite a bit it's you know it's worn and faded here and there but there's some telltale feathers and it's what, the exact what same age bird. what age is the bird it, it's a first year bird like okay. a you know first cycle you know uh so you know not quite a year old so one of these brown things and i just was amazed that you know in a pile of brown feathers there's enough like pattern and stuff going on that you can actually, if you're looking at this stuff, some birds actually resonate and go, Oh, this is, you've seen this one before, you know? And uh, it's happened to me in the past with other birds where I've said, Oh, and sometimes they're common birds. It's like that Western goal, something about it. And I, sure enough, I find pictures two weeks earlier, I saw that very same bird and there's some aspects of its pattern that are, just sort of, and I can't even tell you what they are, but they, they, it's like the face recognition. You, you can't, I, I can't tell you how I know that I'm looking at you, George, and you're George, but I recognize you, right? Right. Yeah. So it's something going on, but what? The, there's lots of questions that happen. Like, what was it doing all those weeks? Where did right, it in go? between? Right, because you between. were there. Yeah, I, I've been there, you know, multiple times. Was it yeah. just behind another bird and I didn't see it? Was it not here? Did it go like right. to Oregon and come back? Right. Did it go um, to Timbuktu and yeah, like, right. yeah, Fairlands <laughs> yeah. or what? Yeah, yeah. It's it's, but the fact that you can identify an individual and you've probably seen this too with other birds and 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 I know some some of the hawk real hawk people recognize individual raptors like where they say i've seen that red tail hawk before and they um you know they they actually they can actually look at photographs and say oh yep the same bird's got the little dark mark here or whatever which is incredible like um yeah how you, when you're you tracking an individual bird like that i right. mean and we've seen it now especially with some vagrant birds like the stellar seagulls is a pretty amazing example and and there's you know there, there was the, the the great black hawk was another good one um um my personal favorite one was a bird that that I I think I don't think anyone saw it actually besides me. But and it it wasn't um, it was a gull also, uh, <laughs> but it was I was doing the Philadelphia Midwinter Bird Census, which is you know kind of early mid January. This is maybe ten years ago, 
and it was dusk and I'm kind of like, you know, hoping to see some gulls come into this one spot where they roost. And I look out and I see a bird in with all these ring-billed gulls. And my first take looking at this gull is that it's a Mediterranean gull, you know, oh, which wow. is a long, long expected bird, right? People have been long predicting that Mediterranean gull will someday show up in North America. Mid-Atlantic would be a fine place for it. Hasn't happened yet. But my first take was like, oh my God, this this thing it p- picks its head up. It's got kind of the shadow pattern. That's a bird I'm familiar with from Morocco. And I was like, this looks like a Mediterranean gull. And I was like, and I'm like, my head is exploding, right? I'm going crazy. Mm-hmm. And then the thing lifts off and I'm like, oh wait, the wing pattern is all wrong. And mm. I realized pretty quickly that what it was, was a ring-billed gull, black-headed gull hybrid. Wow. And the bird took off land, and I got flight shove. I got you know perched flight shots, landing in the river, swimming shots, and and then it floated down the river out of sight. This was at dusk, you know, and it was gone. And I went back subsequent days. People went and poked around. Nobody saw it again. The very next year, same exact date, same exact location, same exact time. I'm hmm. sitting there watching the birds come into roost and who do I see but this same exact individual this this hybrid <laughs> ring-billed gull black-headed gull comes in and lands again and like this time I didn't care it wasn't a Mediterranean gull I thought it was just so amazing yeah. that like I'd literally gone exactly a year between sightings yeah. and that this thing came back to the same dumpy little old you know pier in in the middle of urban Philadelphia it just blew my mind Weird. You know what? That reminds me of another gull. (laughs) When I was a teenage birder on the Niagara River, seeing this great blackback gull with a white set of white feathers on one wing. And we're all looking at this thing. Oh, look at a cool little white patch. And coming back the next year, same spot, same time of year, seeing the same bird with that same patch, you know, like doing the same thing and you're then it starts making you wonder are all of are all these 15,000 goals that are here all basically doing the same thing like mm-hmm. they're all kind of coming back every year and hanging the one that's on that rock there it's actually next year will be on that rock again you know um and and we just think oh it's a bunch of goals you know but it's no it's the same goals that are yeah. here each time yeah yeah, you know, that's the cool thing about uh, some of these birds that are well marked, or you know, is that you can you can track them. It's almost cooler when they're common birds, you know, that right. that are, yeah. where you can it really is telling you something. You know, and yeah. I think it's not a it's it's not um, surprise that gulls stand out because you can actually see gulls pretty easily. They're always in the open. Um, it would be much harder to have, and they're big, right? Like. If you had a red-eyed vireo that had a very specific little thing going on, you might never notice that, and you, you know, and, and you won't see it again the next year in the same spot that easily. So, but I bet, yeah, there's so many of these things where you're seeing an individual, and you, you know, you're connecting not with the hybrid goal. It's like, you know. Janice, <laughs> the, <laughs> the hybrid gull. Like you can give it a name, you know? Right. Like yeah. Like our lost uh northern gannet that's here on in the Pacific. Yeah. It's a single individual gannet that's been here for years now. Nearly ten years. 
and it roams around by itself because there's no other gannet in the Pacific, and we've named it, you know, just because it's there's yeah, only. I still one. think I still think you should be calling it Mo Base. I think like I think <laughs> that's that's the name you gotta you should you guys should be going Mo Base. I, I don't know. Morris is good. But, Morris, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, but, uh, I'm yeah. gonna keep advocating for Mo Base. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now let's maybe uh, folks out there, if you've ever had like an individual bird situation where you've seen the same thing. Oh, that'd be a great one. No, it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, or even, or if you think you saw the same bird, not just in the same place, but there's something recognizable and you saw it elsewhere, that would be even better. Any kind of story of the same bird, um, that that's identifiable somehow. That'd be cool. Yeah. We need to hear about Send those. us those. Yeah. Well, Al, we were coming up on the hour. Wow. And we didn't even get to half of our topics. No, no, we are. We did not adhere well to our outline, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, folks, uh, don't think we're too crazy, but, yeah. uh, yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Al, is there anything else you want to tell the good people before we sign off? Gosh, um, I guess next time we record, well, it might be after I've done a trip to Chile and Argentina or while I'm on that trip. So uh, I'm really looking forward to traveling again. It's sort of starting to happen, which is quite amazing. And uh, yeah, so hopefully it'll all go well. We won't have any stumbling blocks due to the remaining covid situation but it's it's dropping like a stone in the places we're going to yeah same here um looking forward to some travel in the not too distant future here and uh yeah we have uh heading to uh to india soon to look for some birds of course but also for a couple big cats so um We'll, I'll have more to say about that down the line. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, we still have a couple Hillstar Pelagics coming up in the next couple of weeks. I hope folks will consider those if uh, they haven't. We got more of those coming up in the spring. I'm sure the same is true for you, Alvaro. And I've still got space on my Columbia tour. Really hoping folks will do that as well. So um, cool. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should sign off, but I do want to say also thanks to our producer, Molly Brown, who is out west still, having a grand time, sending us photos of California condors and more. Hope Molly is having a great time. Look forward to getting her back here real soon. And Alvaro, have a great day, man. All right. See you all later. Enjoy. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody.